0: You found your way to the intersection of faith and the culture. This is Wall Builders, where we take on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, here with Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, and David Barton, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders. All three of us appreciate you listening and sharing. So it's one thing to listen and learn this information. We need to grow. We need to grow this this uh, this incredible grassroots movement across this country right now. More people awake than ever before, but I'm telling you folks, there are people that are hungry for truth. They're looking for answers and you've got them. The Bible has the answers to every problem we're facing in our culture. And here at Wall Builders Live, we bring that biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective to each of these topics. So we're challenging you to be a force multiplier and take today's program and all of our programs and start sharing them on your social media. Help raise awareness to the fact that there's a program out there that is bringing answers to these cultural issues and action steps for our listeners, things you can do in your community, like be a constitution coach and start educating people in your home or at your church. Uh, Bring in one of our speakers from WallBuilders to your community and put it on a special event to get people educated and inspired and equipped. There's so many different things that you can do. We encourage you to check all of that out at wallbuilderslive.com. And also, I encourage you to make a donation. It takes fuel in the tank, folks, to get on more stations, to reach more people, to train more pastors, to train more legislators and young people, all the different things we're doing here. You can lock shields with us by making that donation at wallbuilderslive.com, by investing your time to be a coach, so many things that you can do. Take some action today and uh, and make part of those action steps, sharing Wall Builders Live with your friends and family. All right, guys, later in the program, Dr. Michael New's going to be with us trying to answer a question of... Basically, how does how does the data that's coming in on this particular issue match up with where the culture seems to be? And, and I guess the only way to ask you guys this is like, we seem to be in the most debauched culture of my lifetime where anything goes and crazy stuff is going on out there with the whole sexuality issue. I mean, it feels like Woodstock on steroids. Uh, and yet the data says that teenagers are actually more abstinent than they were 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Just keep that trend is going in the right direction and that just doesn't match up with what you typically see in the culture right now so it's kind of a weird one we'll ask him how we got there and why we see these good stats in this particular area and what seems to be a more i don't know what the right phrase is you know i think of 60s and and Woodstock as sexually you know promiscuous today it's like sexually crazy right so i don't know this is going to be interesting you know, interestingly,
1: kind of the way this got started was uh, as we go through and we all week long, we get news stories and we see what's happening and, and that's where we collect the things we use for Good News Friday. So as we're going through and we see these these really interesting reports or something's going in Congress or some new statistic out, that's what we're, we're saving throughout the week. And I came on a, on a news report that said that sexual activity outside of marriage the sexual activity among young people is actually declining over the last several years. And I said, whoa, 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 time out. That's, that's counterintuitive. With everything we've got going on, you, you've got all the parents rallying because of all the sexuality in the library books and in, in the in the schools. They're way over the top. They're past pornographic. We've been told by Ken Ivory, for example, when, in Utah, when he took those books on the floor— uh, the leadership came to him and said, hey, this is criminally illegal stuff. If you read this on the floor, you're going to get arrested because you can't have this kind of sexual material. It violates law. And so you've got that kind of material in libraries, and, and then you've got the, the the whole movement that's going to Planned Parenthood and what they're doing in school campuses. and Everything about it said, hey, sexualization, sexualization, sexualization. So how in the world would statistics be dropping that sexual activity among young people is actually – in a declining mode, would everything in the culture seems counterintuitive to that? And, and so w- when we looked at that, you know, I talked to you guys about it and we said, hey, well, what do we do here? And we thought, well, let's go to Dr. Michael New because Dr. New is the guy who is probably the nation's leading a statistician dealing with abortion type of issues. He's is the guy who who records and can tell you if you pass this law, here's exactly what it did, here's how many babies were saved, or here's what it did for pregnancies or something. So he keeps an amazing amount of stats, and he's an analyst of this. And and so Dr. New is really good. And so because he does deal in all these areas of abortion and sexuality and absence education, et cetera, we thought, well, let's ask him because this really doesn't make sense on the face but you know since he's in the stats all the time maybe he would know and so that's how that's how we got to this point and i hope to get a lot of good news out of this i hope it does become a good news friday kind of program in the sense that this really is happening because it doesn't make sense that it would in this culture but yet that's what we saw in the article so dr
0: new hopefully will help us answer some of this stuff all right guys hang on then we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back dr michael new our special guest today on the wall builder show
1: This is David Barton with another moment from America's history. Shortly after the American Revolution, America had become the envy of the world. It still remains a wonder of the modern world as 219 years later, America has become the longest ongoing constitutional republic in the history of the world. What was the foundation upon which our founding fathers established this great nation? According to John Adams, the foundation was Christianity. John Adams declared... The general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. Now I will avow that I then believed and now believe that those general principles of Christianity are as eternal and immutable as the existence and attributes of God. According to Founding Father John Adams, it was the principles of Christianity which formed the foundation for American government. For more information on God's hand in American history, contact Wall Builders at 1-800-8-REBUILD.
0: Welcome back to all Thanks for staying with us. Great to have Dr. Michael New back with us. Thanks for coming on again, sir. No, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Hey, great article at uh, LifeNews.com. Abstinence works. New report showing teen sexual activity continues to decline. This this just, I think, shocks people, uh, Michael. I, I don't, we don't expect this kind of news in this culture that just seems to be getting worse and worse, but yet on this front, it uh, seems to be getting better and better. What do you attribute that to? i sure. I mean,
2: National Survey of Family Growth came out with some new data back in December, and it showed there's been a consistent decline in teen sexual activity since the early 90s. So um, you know, we've seen declines that are pretty consistent. Uh, since 2002, percentage of teen boys who are sexually active fell 8 percentage points, and percentage of teen girls who are sexually active fell 5 percentage points. So good news. Uh, there's a lot of reasons behind this. Uh, I think since the mid-90s, there's been a much bigger investment in absence only, sex education. A lot of people don't know this, but the 1996 welfare reform bill included grant money uh, for states and localities that wanted to fund sex education programs that included abstinence. And not all states have taken advantage of that, but many have. So we've made a big policy push toward abstinence. So that's the positive development. I'll say there are parts of the reasons um, of this decline that may be a bit troubling. You know, I hate to say it. Part of it may be just uh, increased access to online pornography. Uh, but I would also say the decline started before web dra- browsers became publicly available. I would also say this generation of teenagers is probably more risk-averse uh, because of social media. Uh, if uh, someone makes a mistake, uh, all their friends quickly know about it. But again, this decline started before Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, and these platforms all got off the ground. So I think there's a variety of reasons. Uh, but you know, overall, any decline in sexual activity uh, is good news.
0: Uh, yeah, no doubt, and, and I'm guessing too. I mean, just throwing this out there. I mean, I wonder if part of it is, you know, w- when you get enough pain, you you move another direction, and and so as they see kind of the the craziness of 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 the sexual identity thing, uh, do you think that's that's had any impact on it? Where they're just like, man, I'm I'm seeing people in a lot of pain and hurting from the decisions that they made. Uh, maybe they're choosing making better choices just because they want to avoid that pain.
2: Yeah, sure. I think that you know this is a generation of teenagers. Uh, Many of whom grew up with single parents and many of whom, uh, you know, grew up with parents who were divorced or saw how divorce uh, might, you know, hurt other friends or other families. And, you know, I think they uh, want something different for themselves. You know, I think, uh, you know, they really want to have, you know, stable families and, you know, want to uh, show commitment to a spouse during marriage. So I think that, yeah, they've seen uh, that, you know, premarital sexual activity uh, hurts people, you know, has negative consequences and very often uh, want something different for themselves.
0: What what um, when we say abstinence programs, what exactly does that mean? Like what 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 is, is that something that's done in the schools? Is it is it uh, part of a health class and they actually recommend abstinence? I mean, ha, ha, you know, because we throw the I, I hear the phrase all the time. But what does that mean on the ground in the classroom or in a, in a teenager's life?
2: Well, it can mean kind of different things. I mean, sometimes sex education is part of a health curriculum. Sometimes it's kind of done separately or independently. Um, and, you know, sometimes you know they basically just discuss uh, the consequences of sexual activity and you know how it can lead to sexually transmitted diseases. You know how it can lead to unintended pregnancies, and they also talk about just you know how to engage you know the opposite sex and learn how to turn down you know sexual advances. Uh, I think that sometimes some kids are uh, don't know how to handle relationships and. You know, at a young age, and they just do give them some relationship tips. Let them know that it's okay to wait. Uh, just because a partner wants to be sexually active, does not mean it's a good idea. In fact, it's not. And just teaching kids how to navigate, you know, relationships with the opposite sex—that's uh, a component of these programs as, as well.
0: Right, let me ask you, Doctor New, before I let you go, what what about the parents uh, that that are trying to figure out, okay, when do I start talking about this stuff? Because obviously, we want the parents involved in this, and not not just you know have parents saying, "Oh, the school will take care of it" with these programs. Um, what, do you, what do you recommend? I mean, what, what is kind of the um, what seems to work best in terms of when they start beginning this this, you know, sexual education within the home so that the kids not uh, afraid to come to them and afraid to talk to them about these kind of things?
2: Well, I think obviously every family's different. Every child's different. But I think it has to start early. I think there's a lot of bad information out there I mean, with the Internet, even if parents are diligent about Internet and cell phones, smartphones, you know, kids can pick things up from you know, other kids' cell phones or other people's internet browsers. So there's lots of, you know, bad information out there, or lots of pornography. So I think this really has to begin early. Obviously, it has to be, you know age-appropriate. You know, the parents, I think, do need to set high standards, let kids know what's expected. But also just know that, you know, they can always be approached, that, you know, even when a child does make a mistake, you know, that the parent is there, one to listen, one to help. And uh, again, I think it has to start earlier than maybe some parents are coupled with. But that's kind of sadly the world we live in today.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And 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 I just say to parents out there, I mean, if you if you have the conversations, you can set, you can frame the issue uh, early, and and that is so important. And 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 also making sure the kid understands this is a beautiful thing that God created uh, for a husband and wife, instead of them getting this warped view uh, through the pornography or through the conversations at school and that sort of thing. So really, really important for prepares to do this but a great article we're gonna have a link at our website today uh, abstinence works new report shows teen sexual activity continues to decline dr michael new god bless you man thanks so much for coming back on i think so. much appreciated stay with us folks we'll be right back with david and tim Bart. friends, this is Tim Barton of Wall
3: Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even Hebrews of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, and it has the faith hall of fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. In this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman. Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read. And it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com.
0: We're back here on The wobbler Show. Thanks to Dr. Michael New for joining us back with David and Tim now. And uh, Tim, I I, I, I got to say, man, I don't know how there's so many factors. So I, I was going to guess at what your guess would be as sort of the main factor. And I was thinking about, okay, you got a lot of kids that are getting out of public schools, going to private schools. Are they getting better education? Is it, you know, just all the stuff so crazy that kids are like, man, I ain't touching that with a 10 foot pole. I had no, I have no way of guessing what your, your uh, take is going to be on this. you you've worked with youth uh, more than any of us? Why do you think, despite the crazy culture, they're actually doing better on abstinence?
3: You know, Rick. I, I think you could have picked anything, and I would have said, I think that's part of it <laughs> because,
0: okay, I, I really combination.
3: Think, yeah, I, th- I think it's such a mixed bag because you know, as, as yeah. Doctor New pointed out, that there there is an increase in, in in internet traffic of pornography, and so we know the rising generation is being exposed to pornography at incredibly high rates. Uh, but we also know. That, as he mentioned, with even some of the social media culture, if there's a failure, friends instantly know about it and there's ridicule and there's pushback. And and, and so we, we have seen some desensitization of uh, kind of the, the, a little bit of the human sexuality issue. But then, I mean, what we know is as a pendulum swings, it does go back and forth. And as much as there have been people on the wrong side of this issue promoting sexual immorality, promoting depravity, promoting evil in many cases – there has been a pushback because of it. There's been a response because of it. And hey, I, I again, I think there are a lot of factors. I, I think, sadly, uh, for probably most everybody listening, we probably all know people that are really genuinely amazing people. And some of them in the 20s, 30s, even 40s. And we look around going, how is that person still single, right? I, I know some amazing girls. And I'm like, how is that girl still single? She's amazing. And I think, yeah. I, I think there is been such a lack of training for much of the the younger generations, uh, and even some of the rising generation, where they haven't been taught what a healthy relationship looks like. As Dr. New pointed out, so many of this generation, they've come from a home that was a broken home, and, and many of them didn't see healthy relationships in their home, and, and so they're looking for answers, and I think some of them don't want to make those same mistakes, and, and then there's the balance, and some of them have the proper value, so I, I really do think it's such a conglomerate but i think it, it as he mentioned right it's down with the, that between the males and the females like 8% and 5% right so it's not it's not that we solved this problem but it's not as bad as it has been previously but it's not always giving us the full picture as well and i think it really indicates that this is a major issue still in culture that we we need to be intentional about addressing when it comes to we need we need churches that are, are looking at culture and saying, you know what, One of what what is a very basic component of Christianity that God has called us to? And certainly, the very beginning of creation, God looks and said it wasn't good for a man to be alone, so he created Eve. God intended there to be a relational dynamic, a man and woman, right? The Bible tells us for this reason, a man leaves his father and mother, is joined with his wife, the two become one flesh. What God has put together, nobody come against. You just said that in Matthew 19. It's a, it's a very clear scriptural example That there's supposed to be a male and female relationship. It's supposed to be the bedrock of what becomes a family. They're supposed to raise their kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. This is something that we are not teaching and promoting enough inside of churches. And so I would encourage and challenge every parent, every grandparent to be intentional about having some of these conversations, Not, not just modeling it. Modeling it is incredibly important, but if all you do is model it and never have a conversation, then if some smooth talker comes along, it's easier to mislead kids who haven't been taught the apologetic of, of why do we believe in this relationship dynamic? Well, why did God say man and woman together? Well, what what are the components that the male and female represented? In fact, we're even in Ephesians chapter five, it talks about that the man and woman, it's a representative, even for the world of, of Christ and the church and what that looks like. I don't think churches really talk about this enough anymore. And so certainly the rising generations have not been taught and trained how to be in healthy relationships, what that looks like, how do they interact together. And in in fairness, I was a youth pastor for a lot of years, but in in fairness, a lot of youth pastors aren't really equipped to handle this because most of them have not been in relationships very long or they haven't been married very long. Most youth pastors are in their twenties. And so even though they can have insight to speak to that rising generation, You really want to hear from people that have been happily married for 20 and 30 years about how to have a happy marriage. You really want to hear from the grandparents who raised kids that loved and feared God. And now they're raising their own families to love and fear God. I want to hear from the people who've been successful. And it's it's one of the things that I think a lot of us intuitively know is if we need relationship advice. We don't go to one of our friends has been divorced four times, right? To get relationship coaching. We No, I want to know the people that are successful. I I don't need to get money advice from my friends who are broke and have no money. I want right. money advice from the people who have done really well with money and have lots of money. Well, that's who we're looking for. And, and, and also, it, it does not mean, right? If, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, man, I have a really rocky past when it comes to relationships. It doesn't mean that you should not be intentional about still trying to speak wisdom and life and love to your kids about what relationships are because sometimes we can learn from mistakes and sometimes the most important lessons we do learn in our life come from mistakes. But certainly, we want to find people that have done it well, that have done it right, that can model it because as we talk about even, you know, Ricky, you were asking about abstinence education. What does that look like? How does that happen? Well, that's clearly something the Bible talks about. What the Apostle Paul talked about All of these are clear biblical directives, are biblical guidelines, but we just have not been very intentional about addressing these issues in culture. Dad, I know you have been on this topic for decades about churches and pastors addressing cultural issues because the Bible deals with everything. When we talk about the the pastors in early America, the first and second great awakening, they didn't talk about Jesus on every one of their sermons Although they believed and loved Jesus, they talked about what the Bible said about all the cultural issues, the cultural things that were going on. And and I certainly think this is something that we are going to have to restore. If we're going to help a rising generation find relational stability, uh, be able to have a healthy relationship and and then a healthy marriage and, and have a healthy family with kids, we have to start speaking into them the wisdom, the principles, the truth of the Word of
1: God on these issues. You know, one of the interesting things about even what we do at Wall Builders is we pull out a lot of history to show how it used to be and what works and what doesn't work. And on this thing, the sexuality aspect that has come through, and particularly in the last six to eight years as they've got into these gender studies and and, and queer theory and, and so much else, they teach at university level to the teachers that Children are sexual from day one. From the day they're born, they're sexual. They start having sexual thoughts and their life revolves around sexuality. Now, that's, that's something that we've never taught in, in America before, but the rising generation of young teachers, this is where they are. And this is what they're implementing and enforcing in classrooms. And this is what the universities are putting out there. And that certainly is not where we had been. And so if you, if you go back and look at what it used to be, and by the way, I'll point out, here's one thing that history does consistently prove, including in our lifetime. Whatever you talk about, you get more of, whether it's good or bad. When schools started going to drug education to stop the use of drugs, drug use increased significantly. When schools started doing uh, suicidal counseling and and teaching, suicides went through the roof. And they find that whatever they teach about, that's what increases. And so if you're going to start having sexuality classes, yeah, the activity is going to go up. And that's what we've seen. It's interesting How come we didn't have, and and people may not even recognize this, the whole concept of having sex ed at school is in the modern generation? Try finding that in the 1700s, 1800s, even the early 1900s. You're not going to find it. Then how did you get an education if you didn't have sex education as part of it? Well, we did really good for several thousand years on that. But what happened was, and and this is going to come as a shocking surprise to you guys, the first introduction of the concept of teaching sex education in the classroom was in 1912. And can you guess who was behind that movement? Other than progressives in general?
0: <laughs> yeah. So wait, Wilson wasn't in yet. Wilson wasn't in president yet, was he? Or was he? Wilson was in. Wilson's in. He was. He was in. Okay, that's my guess Wilson
1: then. Wilson is in. Progressives are in. And it was the National Education Association oh, that said, the
0: NEA. Always doing such good things for the country. Always, now, yeah.
1: The, the, the professional educators, man, this is such a- yeah, right. So this is 1912. But well, what happened is they started pushing this and Woodrow Wilson first introduced it in the military. So the first sex ed courses that we teach in America were taught to the military. And that was the emphasis in the military. And they said, well, this is, you know, we need to get them younger than, than w- before they get in the military. So we need to back this down. So they started saying schools and, and people just didn't buy it. And so for all these decades, what they taught in schools was called family life courses. And that's what I had when I went through school was family life courses. And that's where that in those courses, I learned about cooking. And I learned about budgeting. I learned about all sorts of stuff. And sexuality was mentioned, but it was in the context of family life. It, it wasn't a biological course. And you start getting into that emphasis in the late 60s and the early 70s where the sex ed course is, is, is really a porn flick. It's, a, it's, it's all about biology and not about rights and wrong. Morality was completely removed. Context was removed. Sexuality stands on its own with no context. And as that starts to grow in in the 70s and the 80s, by the time you get to the late 80s, when Ronald Reagan's in office, they're saying this is not good. Because that's when teen pregnancies were going through the roof and uh, and all the venereal diseases. Back in the 60s, you had six. Today, I think we're up to about 30 different venereal diseases. They were all on the increase. And that's when you started hearing about absence education. And so Ronald Reagan started pushing that in his term, and George Bush 41 did it. And in 1996 under Clinton is when we actually passed the federal law that Michael New talked about that says that we're going to fund abscess education courses. And so that's where the funding has been put for all those years. Now, in the last several years, it's starting to change. And the other thing I think is significant is it's good that the numbers are coming down, but also remember that they shot through the roof. They were up over 700% in the 70s and 80s. So the fact that we're coming down five, eight, ten percent is a good trend. That means they're not rising anymore, but we're still so much higher than we've ever been in our history, except, you know, the last 10, 12, 15 years, but any other generation. So it is good news that it's starting to return to some sanity, but we still got a lot. And I would say, hey parents, this is another reason you need to consider running for school board. You need to get in and get a different educational paradigm We've had so many good people who have run for school board and and gotten in and done good things and changed. the. You need to get this progressive stuff out of there. You need to go back to some really good contextual kind of teaching. And there's some great sex ed courses out there that like family life courses and put in context. So uh, it's really good to hear from Dr. Noon and hear the good news. Uh, But this is something we've been facing for the last 40 to 50 years. And we've got to get involved, get this turned around for sure.
0: All right, folks, make sure you visit the website today, wallbuilders.com. Get plugged in. Get some good tools to share with your family, your friends, people in your community. Start hosting a constitution class at your church or in your home, in your living room. Become a part of this. Uh, it's it, There's so much you can do. There, there's no excuse, honestly. There's no excuse for any citizen that cares about passing the torch of freedom to their children and grandchildren intact, actually having something to pass them where they can live in freedom. There's no excuse for doing that or not doing that by not being in- engaged. What I was trying to say is there's no excuse for doing that without being a part of it, trying to pass the torch without actually doing something to save the torch, or there's no excuse for you know complaining about why the torch went out uh, when you didn't do anything about it. So yes, I'm trying to push you and drive you to do something, be a part of the solution. You can do so much. Uh, check it out there at wallbuilders.com today. Get plugged in to the different things that are going on. You know, yesterday I mentioned getting your pastor to go to a Liberty Pastors Conference, like the one we're going to have in Georgia at the end of the month. There's other things that you can be a part of, Uh, hosting those Constitution classes. Um, You know, there's just so much. There's so many things you can do to make a difference. Listening to wall builders is a big part of that. Sharing the wall builders program with your friends and family is a big part of that. So make sure you're sharing, uh, taking the links, sending them out on on social media, emailing them to people, texting them to people, whatever you got to do. To spread the word, we are the press now, right? If you want to live out the First Amendment, if you want the First Amendment to last, you got to live it out. You got to live out your freedom of religion. You got to you got to live out your freedom of speech by speaking up, letting your voice be heard. You got to you have to be the press. So that freedom of the press, forget it. the The major media is not going to do it for you. You have to be the press, and I have to be the press. We have to be the ones to share and and, and raise attention and 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 get people to understanding these these principles. Well, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Walpole.